This is the Sergio Rodriguez Show. Welcome, everybody, to the Sergio Rodriguez Show, a show unlike any other. We are down to eight teams in the NFL playoffs. Thanks to the fact that a bunch of teams didn't show up this past weekend for their games, particularly the Patriots, the Cowboys, the Eagles, the Steelers, and the Cardinals, right? I mean, it, it was crazy how I think the only the only game where I felt both teams were engaged in winning was the Bengals-Raiders game. And credit to the Raiders again. Credit to the Raiders again. I said it last week, and I'll say it again. The job that they did there in that organization, keeping that team afloat after everything that they went into, injuries, rugs, Gruden getting fired, is a testament to those guys in that locker room. Kudos to them. And I'm going to discuss, obviously, those six games. We're also going to look ahead to the four games this weekend. But before we get started, Fairfield Physical Therapy Center, located in the Fairfield Commons G106, is owned and operated by Justin Solotov, who has over 20 years of experience in the field of orthopedic physical therapy. Called Justin, who, by the way, needs a hug because St. John's got blown out at home by uh, on the road by Creighton. But you can call Justin at 973-276-1313 and stop living with pain and discomfort. The same discomfort that he's feeling this morning after the ass whooping St. John's got yesterday. Epic Car Service, recognized as the number one car service in New York City by medical transportation standards. Located in the Bronx, New York, Epic will make your commute a safe and comfortable experience. Call Epic at 718-401-3742 or 844-666-6278. Lucimer Auto Body, located at 27 Austin Street in Newark, provides top-of-the-line service to make your collision experience as smooth as possible. Go to lucimer.com or call them at 973-824-0113. One, three, Lucimer Auto Body and tell Paul that Sergio sent you. You know, we'll start right on Saturday, right? At, at the Raiders and the Bengals. Look, you never got the feeling that the Bengals were not going to win. Right? Yeah. I, I mean, at least I never felt that they were not. But. You know, the Raiders, they they went toe-to-toe with those guys. You know, they, 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 they had more first downs, more total yardage, more passing yards, more rushing yards. The only thing that they didn't have, which they lost, was the turnover battle. And that ended up being big. That ended up being huge. Joe Burrow finds a way to win these games. He did it in the regular season. 
and he did it again on Saturday. And when I mean he figures out a way to win these games, here's what I'm saying. He wasn't electrifying in terms of the gaudy numbers. But when you go into a playoff game and you don't turn the ball over and you get two of your own, what you need is steady. Steady and pretty good. 24 for 34, 244, two touchdowns, zero interceptions. You know, the funny thing is that the Bengals didn't get much from the ground game. Mixon, who had 17 carries, only had 48 yards. The next leading rusher was Jamar Chase. They really didn't do nothing on the ground, but the Bengals' defense played well. And look, they held serve at home. They were the favorite going in, and they held serve at home. And I know there was a little controversy with the referees and the whistle on that touchdown pass that Burrow threw. But look, the only people that that affected were the people who had the Raiders in Vegas. Because, I mean, you're talking about a four-point swing on that. So they win 22-19. to Other than that, you know, it wasn't going to affect the game. It wasn't going to affect the game. I mean, you're going to tell me that the Raiders were going to drive down and kick a field goal on that last drive. They could have tied it. I mean, I guess, okay. But now you don't know how the Bengals would have played out the game, the drive before, right? Because that was still pretty early in the in the game where they still touched the ball. They still touched the ball a couple of times uh, after that. You know, that was essentially, you know, to make the game 20 to 13 at the half. They played an entire half and got six points, but maybe they go for something. Maybe, you know, they were playing tack on football once they took that lead. So you don't know how it would have worked out, but those, but they definitely wouldn't have gotten those four points if they have to replay the play and don't get that first down. It was crazy, but you know what? It, it, it happens. It happens. But I believe that, the best team won, and the team that deserved to win won. So now Cincinnati moves on. The Bills, 47-17 to over the Patriots. This was, and I told you guys this would be a beatdown. I told you that Buffalo was going to beat them down. Because I told you that I watched those first two games this year, and Buffalo was significantly better based on personnel significantly better based on personnel. So I didn't expect them to go in there and not dominate. And that's exactly what they did. They did not punt the entire game. In fact, they had one fourth down on the last drive when they were kneeling to win the game. That's how much of a beatdown this was. I'm telling you, this is a game. You know, you sometimes see scores in games where it, it'll be like 30 to 10, but the, the 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 team that scored the 30 was up, you know, 16 to 10 with like three minutes to go. They score a touchdown, and then on the next play, 
they get an interception and return it for a touchdown and the, and, and the score gets blown up. And at the, after the game, you're like, yeah, the score is not indicative of how good of a game it was and how close it was. I'm telling you, the score is not indicative of how much of a beatdown this game was. And it was 47 to 17. Josh Allen, 21 for 25, 308, five touchdowns. Six carries for 66 yards. I don't mind reading his running yards when he throws for 300. It's the all Saquon yards that I hate. Let's go to Sunday where the Buccaneers 31, the Eagles 15. Another game that's not indicative of how much of a beatdown this was. This game was 31-0 before the Eagles got two window dressing touchdowns. And look, this is another one of those instances where I tell where I tell you guys who listen religiously to the show, which I appreciate every week, how the East being so bad in terms of quarterback play, the NFC East, that is, mask the Cowboys' deficiencies through the season because their quarterback is so much better than everyone else in that league and, and and we're going to get to him in a little bit because I have my own issues with Dak Prescott. But he is so much better than everybody else in that league that the Cowboys are just going to run away with that division every year. And what you saw from Jalen Hurts is an example of that. They didn't beat a team with a winning record the whole year. Okay, look, you play who's on your schedule. It is what it is. But that's a clear indication of what's going on in Philadelphia. You can't play this game inside the hashes all the time or throwing swing passes or dump-offs. Fact is, Tampa sat essentially in a shell the entire the entire game and until it was 31 nothing they didn't complete a pass to a wide receiver of any of of any meaningful yardage it's crazy crazy but i don't think it's that the coaches don't want to i just think they know that they're limited they protect these guys they protect these guys because they look at these guys as valuable football players instead of what they should be looking at you know looking them as is can they play the position of quarterback and the answer is no when it comes to Jalen Hurts Jalen Hurts is a starter in this league because the position is deficient and he's a pretty good football player But I didn't see any difference for the Eagles at quarterback the week before when Gardner Minshew played against the Cowboys. 
In fact, I saw the ability to throw the ball downfield better. Except Minshew's not as good a football player as Jalen Hurts. So every now and then, Hurts will make a play that Minshew will not with his legs. But the Eagles just didn't show up. I mean, I didn't expect them to. I know there were some people who told me that the Eagles were primed to make a run, whatever a run is. I mean, to me, a run is winning a couple of games. I didn't see them winning a couple of games. I felt, you know, they could upset Tampa just because they were in the game. But I knew they weren't going to be able to pass the to run the ball, so... It came down to passing. Did you really think they were going to be able to pass the ball with Jalen Hurts? Come on. Come on. Those were just Eagles fans talking. Let's get to the Cowboys and the 49ers. 49ers 23-17 over the Cowboys. Congrats to the Niners. They move on. Blah, 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 blah. Only the Cowboys can lose a game and be the story of a game. Let's start here first. When I saw the Cowboys be a three-point favorite last week, I knew they were going to lose this game. I said it on on the show. You just knew it was going to happen. The Cowboys were a team that had three wins, I believe, against teams with winning record, and two of them were against the Eagles, who were terrible. They fatten up on the NFC East statistically to call themselves the number one offense in the NFL. They go 6-0 and in the division because, again, the division stinks. They hung 100 points on the Eagles in two games. They, they, damn near, they hung a 50 spot on Washington one game. I mean, it's, it's a joke. It's comical. And then the other team's the Giants, which it shouldn't even be a team. I mean, come on. And then they go into the playoffs. And they get a home game. And they get a hot team coming to them. A team who had been playing for their playoff lives the last three weeks. Who matches up well because they run the ball well. And they get beat. And they get beat. Now before I get to Mr. Dak Prescott, Mr. Nice Guy, right? All I hear about Dak Prescott is how he does stuff for charity and all this stuff. Well, listen, I'm tired of you being a nice guy, bro. Start being an asshole, but win some games. Win some games that matter, Dak Prescott. $50 million garbage. That's what the Cowboys are getting for their $50 million. Garbage. You dominate... A bad division. Congratulations, Dak. You're the tallest midget in the circus.
But let's go to seven nothing. I I I, I want to make a point about this game that drives me that drove me nuts. Seven nothing. 49ers kicking Dallas's butt up and down the field. Second drive of the game, just moving it at will. I'm talking about 7, 8, 12, 10 yards a pop every play. They're at the Dallas 29. And boy genius Shanahan decides to throw some... Screen pass. I mean, I, I couldn't even describe to you what he was thinking. But again, trick play. Because again, the play's in the playbook, so we have to call everything, right? God forbid you're running the ball for seven yards of a pop and you just turn around and give the ball to the damn running back. Gets cute. They lose 11 yards, knocks them out of field goal range. They're able to get it back in and they kick a field goal. Cost them three point, uh, four points there. Four points that would have sealed up the game and would have never come down to the fact that they were facing losing this game. On the next drive, they have a fourth and one and they kick another field goal. So through three possessions, the 49ers had basically knocked the Cowboys out twice. And we're up 13-0. Then the Cowboys come down and score. And it's 13-7. You look up and you're thinking to yourself, you should be up at least, at least 10 points, at least 10 points. Maybe 21-7 and you look up and it's 13-7. I thought the 49ers did everything to give this game away. After the first Quarter and a half, they did everything to give this game away. That's my thing on the 49ers. Let's get back to the Cowboys. You get the game to 13-7, you give up a field goal 16-7. Now you have the ball. You have the ball at 16-7. You haven't done anything really meaningful, anything sustained, let's say. What do you do, Dak Prescott? You come out and you throw an interception. Next play, 49ers are in the end zone, 23-7. Game should be essentially over. Should be over. You come down, you kick a field goal, you make it 23-10. Oh, but Jimmy G helps you out and gives you a pickback. Okay. You What do you do with that pick? You turn it into a touchdown. Now you're back in this game at 23-17. 23-17, plenty of time left. 49ers punt, you turn the ball over on downs. $50 million quarterback. You make the 49ers punt again. Another fourth and one, which I don't understand. The 49ers have fourth and one. They have the best ground game in the league, definitely scheme-wise. They could end the game with one yard. They decide to punt the ball. You know why they punted the ball? Because they're a lot smarter than me. Because I'm sitting there saying, hell, I have the best running game in the league. I've been running the ball 
at will this game to the tune of over 150. I'm going to get this one yard and call it a wrap. You know what Shannon Hand said? I don't have a problem punting the ball. Who's getting the ball? Dak Prescott? <laughs> he punted the ball. He gave the ball to Dak Prescott with three minutes and three timeouts. Three minutes and three timeouts. Who cares? If you're the owner of the Cowboys, Jerry Jones, or you're a football analyst, and you're watching that game, and the team needs a yard, a team that has run the ball well the entire game needs one yard, and they figure that their best chances is giving the ball to the other quarterback with three minutes to go in the game, what does that tell you about how that quarterback is viewed? There was never an ounce of fear in Shanahan that Dak Prescott would drive that team down and punch it in for a touchdown. Because he doesn't beat good teams. And then I got to hear how McCarthy's a bad coach. Listen. McCarthy is no Jimmy Johnson. He's no Bill Parcells. We get that. But McCarthy's numbers, say what you want. You know, everybody says you are what what your record says you are. Well, guess what? His record says that he's pretty good. He's got over 140 wins and less than 100 losses with a Super Bowl. You know who has that same similar record? Tony Dungy. But they put him in the Hall of Fame. So if McCarthy was a minority coach, he would be considered a great coach. Right? If McCarthy was Mexican, we put him in the Hall of Fame. But because he's white, he's a bad coach. I get it. Okay. Well, fact is, when your quarterback makes $50 million, the coach shouldn't really matter. Mickey Mouse could be on the sideline coaching. You take Mickey Mouse tomorrow, you put him on the sideline, Aaron Rodgers is going to be all right. You know why? Because when you get paid to play and you're making a large chunk of the salary cap in a salary cap sport, you have to be a mistake eraser. And Dak Prescott is a mistake. On Monday night, the Rams 34-11 over the Cardinals, Bah humbug game. Kyler Murray's terrible. I told you, well, he was terrible. Kyler Murray, I've been saying this now for two and a half years. Kyler Murray is the best quarterback you could draft for fantasy. And then by week six or seven, trade him to some fool in your league. There's always some fool in the league 
that's going to trade for a guy like Kyler Murray because they see the the points that he's putting up, running the ball, running the ball, putting up explosive plays weeks one through seven. After like week seven or eight, body begins to take a toll. Done. And <laughs> we saw it on display on Monday night. Kudos to the Rams who came out with a lot of pressure because I think they're the team that has the most pressure in these playoffs. They went up 28 nothing and took care of business. They have a lot of pressure on themselves because they need to win. Because they may, they've done everything in terms of mortgaging the future of the organization. The future of the organization. To the point where they can become the Giants. The old Cleveland Browns in about five years when all these guys are gone. They have to get one. They have to get one. Not to mention that they traded a quarterback that took them to the Super Bowl. So they have to win this. So there is a lot of pressure on them. Let's look at this week. The games for this week on Saturday. And then we're going to look at, I'll make a couple of predictions for you guys because, you know, obviously I'm not putting out picks on Instagram, but it'll be, you know, last week, I tell you, I think I got every game right except for the Rams game. I I said I wouldn't bet it, but if I did have to, I would bet the under. I'm sorry, I said I would bet the over, but the game stayed under. But every other game I got right. We had the 49ers. We had Tampa. We had Buffalo big. We had Cincinnati. So Triangle Link. Triangle Link is the leading manufacturer in the screen printing industry, delivering the finest inks for over 35 years. Check them out at trianglelink.com or call them at 1-800-524-1592. Paramus Driving School. Safety and professionalism begins with Paramus Driving School, serving the North Jersey area like no other. Contact them today at paramusdrivingschool.com or call them at 201-986-8300. Verona Wine Cellars, located on 360 Bloomfield Avenue in Verona, New Jersey, provides top-of-the-line alcohol, especially wines for any occasion and any price range stop in and tell my guy r pete patel that sergio rodriguez sent you verona wine cellars i guess this amounts to the gambling portion of the sergio rodriguez show because this is where i will introduce the eight teams playing and the lines for those games so with that in mind stay in sports center Stan Sports Center is your local full-service authorized team dealer for all of your favorite sports brands. Family-owned and operated, Stance has proudly supplied apparel, uniforms, equipment, varsity jackets, and much more for the entire tri-state area since 1946. Find them online at stansportctr.com and contact them today 
for your sporting goods needs. Tennessee coming off a bye is a three and a half point favorite. The total is 47 versus the Bengals. I like the Bengals in this game. You know, Tennessee is a team that, for for a team that's the one seed, Tennessee's coming in here with a lot of question marks. The, the biggest one being, obviously, is Henry going to play? He's trending that way. But even if he does play, like, what are you going to get from him? The guy's been off since Halloween. What are you really going to get from him? Now, look, we know that when he plays, he might be the best player in the league, but he has been out for a while. So you don't know what you're going to get. Incredibly enough, Vegas is telling you this game is essentially a pick em. Tennessee's playing at home and is only a three-and-a-half-point favorite. The other game that was like that last week was the Dallas 49ers game, and I told you that that told me a lot about how the game was going to play out. And this week, there's three games like that. I like Cincinnati. I think their ability to throw the ball and get into the mid-20s is going to pose a problem for Tennessee. Look for Cincinnati to win this game 27-21, something in that range. If they get to that 24 number, I expect them to win, and I think they should be victorious at the end of that game. Green Bay is a six-point favorite. The total's 47 against the 49ers. You know, the 49ers are coming in here a little banged up. The one thing that happened in the game the other day, they won, but they they ended up beat up defensively. I'm going to go with Green Bay in this game. I know the 49ers historically, in the recent history, I should say, have played Green Bay tough, and Green Bay has not been really good at home in the playoffs. But I just don't know if the 49ers, who have been inconsistent all year, don't forget, this is a wild card team that struggled to get in the last week of the season. I don't know if this team can ratchet up two weeks in a row to match the intensity that Green Bay is going to have off a bye, playing at home, understanding what's at stake, particularly the quarterback whose legacy is on the line here. Tampa Bay is a three-point favorite. The total is 49. I like the Rams in this game. And, 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 you know, not because, and look, Tampa Bay could still win the game. You could still get a 21-20 game and they could win it. I just think I have to take the three points in this game. Because, again, Vegas is telling you in a, on a neutral field, this is a pick em. And as much as I thought Tampa played well last week and got the job done, I don't know if they're going to be able to click on all cylinders offensively against the Rams. The only way Tampa can win this game is if the Rams turn the ball over two or more times, which, look, it's possible. It's possible. Stafford forces some balls to Cooper Cup. 
Stafford's got a lot of pressure on him, and pressure will make pipe burst. I'm going to take the Rams, probably the game that I am, the that I feel the least strong about of the four. But I'm going to take the Rams in that game. Kansas City, in, in the marquee game of the weekend, Carson, Kansas City's a one-and-a-half point favorite, totals 54-and-a-half over Buffalo. This is the game I probably feel the strongest about. I love Buffalo in this game. I think Buffalo's 10 points better than this team. I think Kansas City has a lot of weapons. And they have the ability to go on these runs in these games. But Josh Allen is the one guy who can do the same. I really believe that Buffalo's going to go in there and win this game by a touchdown plus. I must be the only guy in America who believes that because everywhere I'm seeing, they're picking Kansas City and Green Bay to play in the Super Bowl. But I told you guys last week that I felt great about Buffalo against New England in that matchup. And I feel the same way in their matchup with Kansas City. Buffalo's probably the team I feel the strongest about in the gambling line. They're getting one and a half, but I, again, I just think they're I just think they're gonna win outright. Green Bay's probably my second strongest play. Cincinnati, my third, and the Rams the fourth. If I had to bet that's the order. I would rank those games. Tomorrow, we're going to put out another show. We have Tariq Turner from Fox Sports joining us to discuss not only college basketball, obviously, in the Big East and across the country, but we're definitely going to get into a little St. John Seton Hall who now are going to play a two-game series back-to-back because one of the games got canceled early due to COVID. And we're going to begin to speak about how the Big East is shaping up for the NCAA tournament and how many teams they can get in. Marquette with a huge win over Villanova. Shaka Smart, after an 0-3 start, they run off five in a row and they're putting themselves right in the mix to add another team to the mix in the Big East. Remember that you've been listening to the Sergio Rodriguez Show a show unlike any other.